Hello. This is a house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, uh, uh, domestic violence, incest, rape, emancipation, foster care, uh, therapy, recovery, Buddhism, BDSM, kink, uh, maybe physics, definitely considerations around time and space uh, and presence being exist in existence, although that's kind of airy-fairy, isn't it? Okay. Hey, um, let's get specific disclaimers. Oh, hey, this is from the incest and rape survivor's perspective. I'm going to be using the language I see fit as a as it feels comfortable to me in this environment. And I'm putting a little fence around my house and I'm saying here, people who've experienced rape or incest or domestic violence or narcissistic abuse, uh, potentially, uh, there's all kinds of things. We get to talk about it and we're not told we're shocking and we're not told to shut up and we're not told to, you know, give your money to that person and keep doing the work. No, you know, we're going to talk about some things. And even if I don't have a lot of money, <laughs> Well, I got some spirit and I got some, I'm making some time for this. So let's see what, what comes out of it. huh? And now I'm seeing Zeus with Athena popping out of his head. Why is it always they got to make a woman coming out of a woman, a woman coming out of a man's body? You know, it's going to be Adam and Eve, right? I mean, even Aphrodite, let's talk about that. Aphrodite was created. It depends on which telling of that tale, because these are all fictitious kind of fragments or projections and transferences of a lot of people's fantasies, right? So, uh, but Aphrodite, <laughs> she was created out of the sea foam. But let's see, was it Zeus cut off the testicles of another god and threw the testicles and the genitals of a god into the waves, and then out of that came Aphrodite, <laughs> because. A woman couldn't be a woman without a man's bones being thrown into it or testicles or sprouting out of Zeus's head like Athena or, you know, Adam and Eve. Well, you know, Eve came out of the rib, right? Well, that's one tale. Anyway, it's fascinating looking at all these tales and the themes they got going on. But anyway, I digress. I'm going to be talking about some actual stuff that might be, maybe we can create some new stories, maybe some new uh, <laughs> Valencia Street uh monologues. I don't know. What would that be? <laughs> anyway. Okay. Here we go. Uh, checking in. Uh, today is, uh, July 21st, uh, 2021. Um, I noticed that a lot of professional podcasters don't mention their dates necessarily in their podcast to give them kind of a fluidity or a timelessness. Right. However, um, sometimes I struggle uh, with identifying time. Uh, I, I mean, what'll happen is I'll spin up and just focus on something that hours later I'll come back out and go, whoa, I was really focused on that issue. And where am I? You know, so that um, digress. Uh, today, what's on the agenda today? Well, I don't want to be banging the gong on the same old song, but uh, there's a lot, there's some things going on in media right now that are triggering some memories uh, around Valencia Street and um, the processes. And I think, again, to identify predators uh, is a big goal of mine and to identify what they do so you can study them. Uh, and I, typically 
my brain process is going to be sitting in the corner <laughs> or by myself. I'll be sitting by myself doing lots of thinking for long periods of time. And then uh, I'll come together with a conclusion or a decision. Um, this some somehow, some way that helps me gain knowledge. Um, that being the case. So uh, let's talk about um, manipulation. And specifically, this is going on right around the time before we head into Valencia Street House. So I'm going to share some experiences around uh, triggered by media and this particular process, because it's kind of difficult to put words into this. And I think we shy away from things that revulse us and we shy away from things that um, are painful or that we don't, we fear, right? So uh, for example, it's painful when I see pictures of people from uh, other countries that have starvation and, and resource issues. Um, I'll offer an example of that. Um, the prime minister of Spain was on Morning Joe this morning. He's going to be making a tour of the United States, meeting with several uh, different, uh, not government agencies, but industries, uh, industry representation uh, to gain um, economic growth for his country in Spain. And he's coming to the United States to do that. Um, and uh, I was sitting there going, man, it's going to be bad in Spain. If he, In the middle of pandemic, he's making a tour saying, please, we're starving over there. Well, actually, that's not accurate. I'm not sure that he's saying that. He's trying to stimulate growth for his country, and it's his job. So prime minister of Spain. So it just tells me a bit about where we're at globally, you know, with this pandemic and all kinds of things going on right now. It was a sobering vision. Um there are people uh, that are on my roster. I guess we all have our little things we read to uh, get through the day or to feel, oh, yeah, me too. Oh, that's a good tool. Let me write that down. Um, there's a lawyer. Her name's Rebecca Zung, Z-U-N-G, Z-U-N-G. Rebecca Zung is a lawyer. Uh, she's worked with multi-million dollar, I mean, big, big cases, you know, people with huge estates and properties and millions and millions of dollars. She's uh, been a divorce. She's been an uh, attorney for these people and she focuses on divorce attorneys at work, uh, typically. Um, Rebecca Zung was describing some things today uh, that uh, she has a topical or um, what would you call yeah, topical. She'll focus on what's in the media and she'll sit there and go, well, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Uh, why does it look like one of them might have some issues with empathy disorder or narcissism? An indicator of that would be the uh, divorce has gone on longer than the marriage, right? So for example, with Brad and Angelina, when she's talked about this case, she's referred to this case in her, her work. She talks about, and I didn't know that, you know, it's like the divorce has gone on longer than the marriage, Right. So um, with her experience uh, being a professional divorce lawyer, uh, she said, you know, it, that's usually an indicator for narcissism or empathy disorder because commonly people want to resolve and move on. However, if it's narcissistic supply or empathy disorder supply you're trying to get, you want to keep it going as long as you can because uh, you don't want, it doesn't matter whether it's a bad or good reaction. Many times people who've got empathy disorder, they just want a reaction. Right. So, um, so it, I hadn't thought about that, you know, cause I really haven't really thought about the personal lives of those two people, um, personally, however, it was kind of an indicator. I was like, oh yeah, that divorce has gone on longer than the marriage. That's kind of unusual. Why would people do that? You know, there's a lot of children involved. Uh, so, um, there's a lot of money involved and, um, that kind of, that being the case. Um, so 
Rebecca Zung talked about a process that I want to mirror with uh, something I walked through as a kid. It's kind of a fuzzy uh, description because I was young. It was before puberty. Um, but I was witnessing something she described when she was describing something in her show. Um, uh, Rebecca Zung uh, put out a little spoo a little uh, thing today on Britney Spears. She's talked about Britney Spears' situation recently. And as a person who's had my custody decided by courts, I have a personal connection to what's going on with Britney Spears, you know, because it may be contextually different, although the terror is real and uh, fear is real. And she's got 13 years of evidence on that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, um, Rebecca Zung mentioned that what she observed Brittany discussing, and she pointed out some specific things that Brittany said in her court sworn testimony that indicate empathy disorder from her father. Okay. And the first thing she did, she was talking about this person controls my life. They control what I eat, sleep, uh, uh, you know, where I perform, if I have children, if I have an IUD in my body. Okay. This is extreme, right? Um, but this is the thing she talked about. So she's, I'm quoting Rebecca Zung, quoting Britney Spears. So I might get a little bit of this fuzzy, but I hope I get the intention correct because I think there's a heart to this that I want to reflect. Um, she said the Britney Spears, and I, if I can remember the quote vaguely, said that this man was trying to make me feel like I was crazy. He literally put me in an insane asylum. You know, uh, he literally put me in a psychiatric rehabilitation center against my will, drugged me against my will. Okay. And, um, Rebecca Zung's talking about that as a divorce attorney, as someone who has been um, dealing with multi-million dollar people, uh, empathy disorder commonly correlates with lots of money in my experience. And a lot of times psychologists and experts on this talk about how money, narcissism, money, empathy disorder, they go hand in hand because they compensate with that money. That money gives them a sense of uh, supply a sense of I am okay if I got a big mountain of money I don't have to think about the fact that a right and wrong don't matter to me and I lie that's these are some things that are kind of running around in that sometimes so Rebecca Zahn was talking about Britney Spears sharing that she felt that her father was trying to make her feel insane and literally put her in an insane asylum literally because he legally could do it and had control and power over it and he did it okay I can't speak to whether or not that was a correct action because I was not in that experience making those decisions. However, that's what she keyed in on, Rebecca Zung, divorce lawyer. Uh, and she's got published books. And uh, mm, Rebecca Zung has a bit of it. She's a lawyer, okay? And she, she, has a, she cuts like a knife sometimes because that's the job of a lawyer is to argue. You're hiring someone to argue in your best interest, right? So, uh, and also when I have had to hire a lawyer in the past, uh, uh, I've hired a male lawyer before it didn't go so well. I hired a f female lawyer. It went really well. Okay. And I'm 50. So there were two things in the past I've had to hire that for. Um, actually I've hired two lawyers in the past over 50 years. Actually, I had a really good lawyer, uh, about 20, 30 years ago when I was in a bike accident and he ended up becoming the DA, that one locally. Anyway, I digress. So, um, Mixed, mixed experiences with lawyers every once in a while. If you've been alive a couple decades, you may have had some experience with a lawyer. Um, they have a bit of a cutting edge to them, and they, they have a bit of a, you know, trying to, their, their job is to argue well, right? That's their job <laughs> in the interest of who hires them, right? She talked about this thing that Britney Spears was sharing about how this guy tried to 
to say, tell me I was crazy and I'm not. Okay. That little bell rang. That little bell rang. He tried to tell me I was crazy and I'm not. He tried to make it up. Okay. Now we all have heard of, if you've been studying empathy disorder at all, or if you've been involved with somebody who right and wrong don't apply to them, you only find out when it's too late. <laughs> um, trying to make you crazy is part of their gig. Questioning your reality is part of their gig. It's how they destabilize and gain control. Okay. That's what abusers going to do. It's one of the, one of the indicators. And the thing is, it's going to be very difficult to figure it out in the middle of it. It's going to take you years of therapy potentially before you're going to identify it. And please, if you're in this process, don't feel bad necessarily. If you, you know, you know, if due diligence, you know, if you're doing esteemable acts, okay, maybe you need to talk to a therapist, go to support group, do some reading, do some meditation and journaling to get some of that knowledge, right? Talk to somebody else, get a perception check. Okay. Make sure you're seeing things right. Okay. Or maybe seeing things within a range. Right. So sometimes I kind of come and go with it. I have to actively work at that because of my social anxiety disorder. So I have to kind of reach out with the half a dozen people or so I keep around or in my life. And I kind of, Hey, you know, sometimes I'll check in on stuff, you know, so it's good to do that. And also therapist, which is on my goal list once I get the resources to get that together. Cause that's a tool I need right now. Um, they're trying to make you think you're crazy actively. Okay. Let's talk about that one. Now, no one wants to think they're crazy. And every time some, we're going to have crises, for example, Britney Spears, she had, she was in the range of many times that time span after a pregnancy and a birth where you have postpartum depression, postpartum depression can kick in. And my perception is, although I haven't bore children that, um, that postpartum depression, because there's all these chemicals going on. I mean, when you're producing a child, your chemistry is going to change. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, you've depleted your body and your bones and everything to create another human, you know, physically you've taken part of your body and given it to somebody else. You're going to be depleted. Yeah. It's going to take some time to build up. Yeah. Got to be tender, self-care. So, this was right around when Britney Spears was shaving her head and doing all this stuff right after all this stuff. And if she'd gotten different treatment, if she'd gotten a therapist that said, it makes sense that you're feeling out of control. You got a lot of pressure on you. You got animals in a pack chasing you and hunting you called paparazzi. Okay. And a reasonable person under that level of scrutiny because people can't relate to it because they haven't experienced it. Well, maybe you're going to have some consequences coming out because of the pressure, and that makes sense. And in some ways, it's incredibly punk-ass warrior princess for, you know, in some ways you sit there and go, all right, Brittany, you're going to shave your fucking head in front of everybody with a witness? I get it. I get it. Um, you know, uh, you're going to say, you're going to make my blonde hair more important than who I am? You um, Get rid of the hair. Okay. Um, that process of thinking that you're crazy, they call it gaslighting, okay? and I'm sure everybody, you probably heard of this colloquially, but I'll just split it out there. Gaslighting is a term that you'll hear uh, therapists sometimes use or co popular culture may be used when referring to empathy disorder people. Um, gaslighting is questioning your reality and questioning your perceptions because um, they're manipulators. And so you're going to confront them. Like you're going to say, you stole my money or you're having sex with someone else. And we were not, you told me we were monogamous and you wanted to marry me. And so that's a wrong thing, you know, and I'll pause uh, wrong and right have different uh, boundaries with these types of predator people. <laughs> and this is the, how they get you. If you got a heart, 
If you got a right and wrong, if you like to tell the truth, they're going to use that against you. Because <laughs> that ain't important to them. All right, that ain't important to them. So, uh, Gaslighting refers to a movie that was made in 1940, and it was about a man trying to make her wife go crazy. Okay. And uh, he would do things at that time. It was gaslit instead of electrical light, light bulbs. And so he'd turn them up, turn them down. And she'd say, they were on. He'd say, no, they weren't. And so he was messing with her. He's fucking with her, right? Deliberately to mess with her mind because he was sadistic, right? And before I recorded this in the last 24 hours, I've gone back and I've actually viewed the ending of Gaslighting the movie because I was digging around kind of wrestling or thinking about some of these concepts and I thought well let's go back to the original people use the word gaslighting you know they use it with uh, ease so why don't we go back just make sure you know it and I've gone back and looked at that movie now and again but the ending is kind of interesting yeah and so when she's got him tied up and you know, she's coming at him with a knife and she's saying hey you've been torturing me for years hey <laughs> I got some things to say hey you said I was crazy, and now I'm holding a knife in my hand. If I'm crazy, I can't be held accountable for stacking this knife in you, could I? You know, it's kind of, well, I'm not giving away the ending. I won't tell you what happened at the end of that movie. But it's kind of like years and years and years of abuse and being controlled and being told you were devalued and discarding. Um, these are all, I just mentioned about three or four processes that is recognized that empathy disordered people do. They'll love bomb you. They'll bury you and stuff. Like, for example, Howard, who was a supervisor at the post office in Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, he would beat you. He'd throw you down the stairs. Uh, you'd be eating dinner and he'd smack you across the head if you didn't eat it the way he wanted. Um, and then for Christmas, you get 20 Cindy doll gifts. You get the car. You get the house. You get the doll. You get the outfits. He'd buy all of it because... That's one thing that empathy disorders like to do. They'll use money to solve the problems that their ethics can't. <laughs> That's really, and the thing is, you got to observe it for a while because externally from a distance, that looks real generous. But once you're in it and realize, well, what happened the week before? Also, here's an indicator of an empathy disorder person. If it's a transactional person, and it's a person that only does stuff to get stuff transactionally, like I had a relationship with a Vietnam veteran previously about a decade ago where I didn't realize it for the first year or two, but then I figured it out that it was transactional with him. And what he would do, he did it repeatedly before I was figuring it out. Um, he would bring me a gift. He would bring me something I'd talked about. And it's so ironic with some of these people that are empathy disordered. Um, they spend so much time listening to you in weird ways because they're evasive of the fact that they, they don't feel, they, they have a void inside. I'm gonna pause. Um, uh, there's a lot of research out there. I, I encourage you to go find your own answers. I encourage you to go find your own research. The information I'm giving to you is having read, you know, a dozen or more researchers on this topic of empathy disorder and narcissism, trying to make peace with what's been done in my family in the past, right? So let's kind of tie in with this concept around uh, Britney Spears saying, this man's trying to make me feel like I'm crazy and I'm not. And I'm going to pause too. A seasoned, educated therapist, my perception is, a seasoned, educated therapist who saw that this person that just had a child would have given her postpartum depression information, would have given a more of an empathy-oriented uh, treatment to her, right? Uh, so um, this is the hard part. When you're in an industry that's based on your appearance, uh, when you're in an industry that's based on you being coquettish and satisfied and objectifying women, as so many, a lot of the industries, you know, just like... Um, 
I had, a, I had a falling out with a friend of 20 some years who had a creepy brother who liked to talk about her tits at work. Okay. And she was selling me so hard that, you know, it's a family environment because I'm a kick-ass warrior babe. And she knew that, but what she was doing was she was accommodating the fact that he was a predator. He had predatory behavior. He went to a foreign country to get a wife to be a hard worker. And she was a hard worker in that business and she didn't give him an guff, but she cringed every time that man touched her. You know, that man's wife in that business, who's from a foreign country, she cringed every time he touched her. Okay. And I saw that. And the thing is, it wasn't like a bruises and over the top. It was more subtle than that. Okay. Uh, so a lot of times these empathy disorders may not physically beat you, but what they're doing with your mind is worse almost because they're taking away your trust in your own judgment. Okay. And that's what Britney Spears is speaking to that Rebecca Zung, the divorce lawyer, Rebecca Zung, Z-U-N-G. She's got a channel on YouTube. You might want to check it out. She's got about 120, 130,000 followers, I think. Um, but she produces content daily. And um, she's got a particular flair and personality, and that works for me. Uh, it might not for you. She's a strong woman, and I like it. And also, she's educated me. She's helped educate me in that. For that, I thank you, Ms. Re Ms. Rebecca Zung, uh, attorney at law, Esquire. Thank you very much for your, your education. Um, oh, Rebecca Zung has also concurrently or done some collaborative work with uh, Dr. Romani. And Dr. Romani, she, uh, she's actually done um, that doctor who also talks about empathy disorder and narcissism. And they, these two people who are uh, experts in different ways have done some collaborative uh, videos together. Um, and also Dr. Romani, um, she, I saw her on Red Table with uh, Will Smith. Uh, she's done some reach out with other people and communities and famous people and talked about things regarding empathy disorder and accountability and responsibility. So um, check that out. She's also got a couple books. I encourage you to buy their books because I, I like people paying authors to write. Sure, you betcha, because I'm hoping to get that myself. <laughs> it's like, I fought through this imposter bullshit. Okay, I got this imposter syndrome thing. Anyway, let's get back to this uh, making you feel crazy, okay? And maybe I'm kind of dancing around this because it's hard to talk about. Okay. This is how we moved into Valencia Street House. Okay. This is how we moved into Valencia. This is what happened right before we moved into Valencia Street House. This is what triggered the necessity for Valencia Street House. Okay. The years here are fuzzy. By the time we left Valencia Street House, I was about 12 or 13. By the time we got in there, I was... It was before I was 10, but it might be a couple more years. There might have been more years at Valencia Street than I'm accounting for because with memory, with abuse and rape and incest and foster care and emancipation, memory becomes an issue. The nice thing is you're not, you know your ranges and, and you know the places where you go. I think that was grayed out because of the abuse, right? You know, so, and part of me, I, I want to say this, hey, baby, baby me, hey, baby me, um, this is part of self-parenting right here. Um, Hey, baby me, uh, you survived. You survived odds that other people died through, okay? And you survived something real hard where people weren't listening to you. And what you were saying was right, and what you were saying was honest, and it was wrong what they was doing to you, okay? And I believe you, baby me. I believe you. <laughs> and your feelings make sense. And feelings ain't facts, although feelings are valid. So I love you. I love you, baby me. You little, you strong little little girl, you was okay. Thank you, thank you for indulging me there. So let's go back to this because again, this is hard to talk about. Okay, um, we were living with Howard, supervisor at the post office up on that hill there, and we lived up on that hill. And uh, the house was uh, physically higher elevation wise than 
the Valencia Street house. It was on a higher elevation location. So um, Howard had beaten my mother so severely and messed with her mind so severely that she was in a psychiatric stay in a mental hospital. Okay. My mother went to that mental hospital to stop being beaten in my perception of things. My mother went into that hospital to stop being told that she was worthless, that she deserved to die, that she deserved those fists in her in her flesh, and she deserved things breaking, and she deserved to wear her fly. Oh, God, this is hard to say. I told you that my mom was called Fly Eyes. I told you that my mama laughed about it. But the thing about this abuse is sometimes you don't realize it till later what it meant, okay? Maybe my mama wore big sunglasses because she had big bruises to hide behind those fly eyes. Maybe it was easier for her to crack a joke about being called fly eyes because nobody believed her and nobody would help her when she had bruises on her body. So when I say she called fly eyes, okay, it's because she had to hide what was done to her because she couldn't talk about it. When she did, they say, we don't believe you. Multiple cops going to turn their back and let her beaten into that. Okay. Maybe a mental hospital is better than getting beat to death. Maybe it is. Okay. So. What happened right before we get to Valencia Street is mama, there was a big terror. Mom went to psychiatric stay. I went down to California to stay with my father because my father was there and I went with one of my older sisters. I remember this trip because I learned how to tie my shoes. And my sister taught me how to tie my shoes because I'm left-handed. And if you're left-handed, crocheting and knitting is going to be mirrored, right? One of my grandmas, the one I don't like, the one I, my dad's sad grandma, who's, she was sadist, that one. <laughs> She had money, but uh, all her kids were either predators or fucked up or alcoholics, right? Now, maybe when you're stuck in a wheat field in Colfax, Washington, that's what's going to happen. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But there's other options, right? So anyway, um, mom was in a psychiatric hospital. I think she was in Spokane. She had to go. She had to go to one to get away from that monster, right? So I go down for about six months to stay with my dad. And I remember that trip because I saw Popeye the cartoon. That's the first time I consciously remember seeing Popeye the cartoon. He had a tiny little uh, gadgety uh, uh, television. My, my dad had some gadgets and stuff like I do. See, it's weird because in genetic line, I'm the one who's fixing stuff and creating stuff and engineering stuff. As a matter of fact, well, I'll change your locks. I'll do all kinds of what you need me to do for your house to keep you safe. I'll, I'll try to do it. I'll learn how to do it if I can't, you know, and I'll ask for help when I need to sometimes or sometimes I won't. And then I'll need help and I'll just suffer. But that being the case, Howard made my mama think she was crazy because she couldn't survive his fists and his mental abuse. And I had to go live with my dad for six months or several months in the summer with a sister who is 10 years older than I was. And she was just confused as I was because we were, you know, she wasn't out quite out of high school yet. And, uh, she taught me how to tie my shoes because she was left-handed and I'm left-handed. I remember my mama thinks she was so crazy she put him in there. Now the thing is, ain't no voice for people like us. Ain't nobody going to say, he shouldn't be beating you into the hospital and he shouldn't be giving your sister gonorrhea. There's a lot of people that had to acknowledge that, that said it's okay and you guys get to suffer and don't go crazy though. And if you do go crazy, we're going to blame you, right? Okay. Now, one thing I got in my case is that, you know, I got seven, eight, you know, there's typical indicators that, you know, for mental health, you go, okay, you're eating every day, you're exercising, are you checking in, are you paying your bills, are you showing up, are you doing work each week, you got patterns, you know, you're meditating. I, it's taken me a while to evaluate some of that, right? 
watching my patterns and also knowing that this head can get sick sometimes, you know, like when my mama died and I gambled to avoid the pain and then I got to therapy to deal with the pain and then my gambling compulsion went away, right? Because it was about mourning her and, and feeling like my heart, part of my heart was gone. You know, the woman that produced my body, my mama. So I'm winding down on a half hour here and I feel like I'm right in the middle of this because there's a lot of juicy stuff here, but I came into the house on Valencia Street. We moved into that house after I came back from California. And it was like this big, wide canvas for her. I think she couldn't believe how lucky she was to get that place on Valencia Street. Such cheap rent, so many rooms, so many kids. Maybe she could make a go of it. Maybe she could make a new start. Or maybe later in high school, right before foster care, Mama went to Oregon Coast and wanted to build an Oregon bookstore. She wanted to build a bookstore on the coast of Oregon. She had a contact there and she was dreaming about it. And to this day, I still have this dream of mother and daughter bookstore on the coast of Oregon. Because <laughs> that was a dream of my mama's. And maybe it's a small dream, but it's something I think about too. And I wonder about it. Now I'm going on the end of a half hour here. I might keep recording, I might not, but please know you're never alone. You ain't never alone. If someone's telling you crazy and they got a lot of money and you're poor and you're dependent on them, you got options. You may not see it now, but you're worth it. You're never alone. You're never alone. If it's going to take education, if it's going to take a couple years, if it's going to take time before you grow into figuring out your own strength, I may have a meager laugh out here to some, but to me, it's a kingdom. It's a queendom, right? Because I believe in God and that means something to me. And I believe in a couple people I still love in my family. They keep me, my heart safe sometimes. But don't you're never alone. Not at the house on Valencia Street. And sometimes it's whether you like it or not. I trust that you got a good heart today. Okay? <laughs>